So I'd like to look at um, Psalm 46, just a few verses, and then slip into Genesis 37. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge and strength and our ever-present help in time of need. And then we're going to just whiz through um, Genesis But Father, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and that you would encourage us now through your word that it will bring strength, it will bring uh, vision, and it will bring vitality to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus prophesied many things would happen in the end times. And one of the things that he prophesied in Matthew 24, 21, there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world, never to be equaled again. Great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world. And when we look around at what is happening in the world today, we see that the beginnings of that is starting. There's a great shaking that is taking place across the globe, nationally, internationally, um, cross-culturally, in families, growing drug addiction, lawlessness, violence, Governments becoming ungovernable and, uh, and, and just men hating and, and despising one another. There's, there's just such um, turmoil that's going around in the world today. And those things are taking place in preparation for our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The encouraging message uh, that I always go to in times of turmoil, in times of trouble, is Joseph. Joseph... Um, we don't have to tell you are, are there any visitors here first, first time visitors a couple welcome welcome I'm sure that most if not all of us are aware of the story of jo Joseph and I'm not going to go into detail in, into the story of Joseph this, this morning but you know that he is one of 12 children he was the second last and he, his father doted on him. Genesis 37 and verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And so when Joseph foolishly, rather foolishly, shared his two dreams, you know, the one dream that his sheath was going to stand and they, their sheaths were going to bow to him, they hated him even more, and they waited for the first opportunity that they could get to get rid of him. And that came pretty soon. The father sent Joseph out to the fields. They were far away from home, and um, there they saw Joseph coming, and they schemed to kill him. And uh, the, the plan changed a few times. They put him into a pit, an old cistern, and um, they, they argued amongst themselves they saw some traders coming through and they sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to to Egypt thrown into a pit and maybe there are some here that your pit um, today is 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 maybe a, a tragedy um, an accident some sickness a job loss business going fat um, 
uh, friends uh, turning their backs on you. Uh, I, I don't know. We, we can go on and on and on. We've all been in situations like that in a pit when we look up and we think, there's nobody to help me. I can't get out of this. And, and, and you, you panic and you feel, well, it, it's the end of the world. This man, this young man, and uh, we're told in Genesis chapter 37 and uh, verse 2, was 17 years of age. Can you imagine yourself as a 17-year-old? Any 17-year-olds? Um, I'm just a few years older than that myself. Uh, a, few, uh, a few here? No? Nobody here? No teenagers? There's, there's one. Yeah. Imagine just being taken out of your comfort zone, out of your home, out of your country, foreign land, foreign uh, um, language, people. Uh, now you're a slave, you know. What a transformation. What a shock. And um, then uh, in slavery, he was sold to Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard, the um, Pharaoh's guard. And um, he proved himself to Pharaoh, and uh, he, was, he was promoted uh, to look after his, all of his affairs. And when he was promoted, his, uh, Pharaoh, um, Potiphar's wife uh, took a liking to him, wanted to go to bed with him, and uh, he kept refusing, kept refusing, kept refusing. And in the end, she grabbed hold of him, and he just fled and left his jacket behind. And she said, rape! And uh, so he was charged of rape and uh, falsely charged and falsely accused, put into jail. And there he was in jail year after year after year after year. And we think that our situation is bad. Whenever I think <laughs> to myself, man, woe is me. I think of Joseph and think, no, hang on, I'm never as bad as that. And um, after a couple of years... The chief, um, Pharaoh's chief butler and baker uh, were thrown into jail for some misdemeanor. And uh, they had dreams, you remember? And uh, nobody could interpret them. And uh, Joseph said, yeah, I'll interpret them with God's help. God will enable me to interpret them. So he did. And uh, the one he interpreted would be killed and the one would be put back into office. He would be taken out of jail and he would be restored. And that was... The, the butler, the chief butler. And then uh, Joseph said to him in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 14, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I've done nothing wrong to deserve being put in this dungeon. And of course the chief butler was deeply grateful when his turn came and he was reinstated. He thought, "Wow, that prophecy was true," and 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 that guy must have, you know, he must have been a good guy. And and he said he d didn't do anything wrong. He, he must be right, and because he was righteous, and God spoke to him, and now I'm free. No, don't don't worry, don't worry. I'll I won't forget you, and uh, and he did. He was released, and that was it. And it took two years. And uh, Pharaoh had a dream. King, the king of Egypt, had a dream. And uh, nobody could interpret these dreams. And uh, the butler remembered Joseph. He said, ah, man, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Uh, you know, I let that guy stew for two years. And he said to Pharaoh, I have a man who can interpret dreams. He interpreted our dreams. And they came true. And so he was released from pr prison after so many years. I don't know if you've seen documentaries. I've seen quite a few 
talking about people who have been uh, in prison for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, only for the authority to discover that they were innocent, that they had never committed those crimes. Imagine being in prison for that long. I mean, it's hard enough to be in prison for something that you've done wrong, but to be in prison for something that you haven't done, haven't committed. How horrible, how terrible, how shocking. And here was this young man who was incarcerated for these many, many years for something that he hadn't done wrong. And yet he wasn't bitter. Yet he wasn't bitter and twisted against God. He never turned his back against God because he had a union with his creator, second to none, which took him through his life triumphantly. Rick Warren says that when things go wrong, we may reject the person we need the most, the Lord. When things go wrong, we may reject the very person, the very person that we need the most. I know, I've known of many Christians who when things go wrong, they run away from church. They run away from God. That's the time that we need to run to church. We need to run to God because that's our comfort. That's our strength. That's our security. That's our well-being. So you say, um, does good, does bad thing, do bad things happen to good people? Yes. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Look, look at Job. Look at Job's life. Think of him. How he was innocent, how he's righteous. And all these calamities came, came to him. But don't forget the end chapter of Job. That's such an encouragement. Because when you read through Job, you think, oh my goodness, you know. But the end chapter it just sums it up. How God just blessed him. And we might come, come back to that if, we, if we've got time. So many, many churches are preaching a gospel that if you become a Christian, then everything good will happen to you. Nothing bad will happen to you. You will have perfect health, strength, wealth, and, and you'll be promoted, and you'll, you, everything will be hunky-dory. You, you, you will have no worries. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, 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 take up your cross and follow me. We're not transported back into the Garden of Eden situation. You know, that, that was perfection, personified. That was perfection to the highest degree, where there was no sickness, perfect harmony. No, that will happen one day in, in glory. If, if, if there is to be no sickness for us, then the ultimate sickness, which is death, should be destroyed as well. Then nobody should die. I was just heard of somebody yesterday, a pastor who believed that he wouldn't die. Well, he died. Um, that's because of sin. The sin principle has come into the world, and we're not totally immune. God does hear prayer. God does answer prayer. I've seen healing. I've seen transformation. But then other, other people haven't been been healed. So, okay, so how did, how did Joseph cope? And uh, this is the, the heading of my message. How did he triumph over the upheavals of life? How to triumph over the upheavals of life? First of all, he had an intimate, personal, ongoing relationship with God. And he was very, very aware of God's presence. That's the only way that he could cope. That's the only way we can cope is to have a, a deep, deep personal relationship with God. We can cope in any and every situation. So how do we know? We know because God revealed himself 
to, to Joseph. He revealed himself to us at one time, didn't he? He revealed himself to me in agnostic, in an amazing way. And he revealed himself to Joseph in dreams. And uh, no doubt said, I, I'm your God. I'm your creator. I'm the one that needs a relationship with you. And then he outlined some portions of what was going to be ahead, what, what was going to happen in his life. In the last decade, uh, Muslims have had dreams. In many parts of the world, we, we're hearing so many um, who've had dreams and visions of Jesus, and they've been totally transformed in this, in this way. I have on my phone, somebody sent me um, this, this testimony of this guy, this Muslim who was brought up to hate uh, Christians, brought up to hate Jews, um, brought up in, in absolute hatred, and he had this vision, this vision from, 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 from Christ, and it totally transformed his life. He came to the end of his tether and he said, Allah, if you are there, reveal yourself to me, otherwise I'm out of here. Allah didn't do that. And he saw this vision of Jesus and it changed his life. And now he's a preacher of the word of God. So he had a, an intimate relationship with, with an almighty God. And in chapter 39 and verse 2 it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. He was with Joseph. And he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had given him success in everything he did, he blessed him. And then in uh, chapter 39 and verse um, 20, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness. And we can go through this um, portion and see how God was with Joseph, how he prospered him, and how his master, in uh, 39 verse 3, saw that the Lord was with him. I wonder if, if those that work with us actually see that God is with us, see that we're walking with God. See, take notice, you're different, uh, you stand out. What's happening with you? You have peace, you have joy. They noticed that he had, uh, the Lord was with him, and he had obviously had that presence of God and the peace of God. And so God usually encourages us in a time of turmoil, doesn't he? And here, here was Joseph, and he was a slave, and he was promoted twice. God, God does those kind of things. In, in sometimes in little ways, he promotes us. That's why he's called the God of all encouragement. In Psalm 68 uh, and verse 19, it says, Praise be to the Lord, God our Savior, who daily bears our burden burdens. Isn't that precious? He daily bears our burden. God, where are you? He's there. He is there. And he daily bears our burden. Second Corinthians 1 3 says, Praise be to the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from the Lord. And so Joseph minister, uh, was ministered to by God and he was promoted and he was reminded therefore that God had not forgotten him. People, God does not forget you. Even at times when you think, God, where are you? You know, God, God sometimes seems millions of miles away. Have you been through times like that? 
Uh, maybe I'm the only one here. I see some heads nodding. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm not the only one. Yeah, at times, it, it seems like that. It, it seems like that. We might feel that way. But by faith, we must take hold of the Word of God because He is with us and He will never leave us or forsake us. Never. Never. Even in death, He's there. Even though we go through the valley of a shadow of death, God is there and He is with us. Paul said they can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. He's with us. He's with us through all of life's experiences. I, I remember a time uh, when we were in Joburg and I was a student and uh, my car was stolen. We didn't have a garage under, under our um, uh, uh, block of flats and we had to park it out and it was gone. I looked around, all the blocks that you could find, gone. Went to the police station and they said, where are you from? I, You're not from Joburg. And I said, no, we're from Queenstown. And uh, oh, he said, this is Joburg. You'll never get your car back. Like, thank you for that encouragement. <laughs> and uh, so I went home and we, we looked up on our insurance. Our insurance had expired by a month. And you know what, what happened at that point? It was that there was a supernatural peace of God that just came into our lives. Like, it was incredible. We didn't earn it to deserve it. It was God, supernaturally. We were on a high. We, we were on a high. And when, we, when they found it, you know, uh, same police, you know, we found your car. Like, you, th you said that, you know, we wouldn't find it. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was almost a, a letdown. It's like, oh no, I, I don't want to come down from, from the side. So God supernaturally ministers to us in, in, in times like that. The second reason why he triumphed over upheaval was that Joseph had implicit faith in God. He had implicit faith in God. God had given him these dreams as a 17-year-old and he never let go of them. Never let go of the dreams that God has given you. Never. Never. He must have had many questions like we, we, we often do, don't we? You know, God, where are you in this? What has happened to you? Why me? You know, why is this taking so long? You know, have I sinned? You know, we, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to, to, to ask God uh, the hard questions. The psalmist did that uh, many a time. Psalm 142 in verses 1 and 2 says, I cried to the Lord. Have you ever cried to the Lord? Cried to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before I tell him my trouble, pour out my complaint to him. But despite, despite the questions that Joseph might have had, he never lost his trust in the goodness of God. He never lost his trust in the sovereignty of God. He never lost his trust in the provision of God. That God had a plan in and through it, it all. The promises of God are true. The promises of God are trustworthy. Amen? There are several hundred promises in the, in the Word of God. And we need to take hold of them. We need to learn them. We need to recite them. We need to pray them back to God. We need to recite them to ourselves so that we can encourage ourselves. You know, you can be a preacher. You can preach to yourself. You don't need a big congregation. You just preach the Word to yourself. It works, I tell you. It's wonderful. You preach the Word of God to yourself. When, especially when you're done, 
you, you say the word of God out loud and say, that's for me. Right? And you walk in it and you live in it. Changes your day. Changes your, your perspective of the day. Memorize it. Hold on to the rhema words of God. And so, because Joseph held on to the vision of God, he was a positive man. He was a positive man. And because he was a positive man, he was promoted twice over by two different, in two different situations. He would never have had that promotion if he was sniveling, uh, moaning, groaning, complaining, uh, in depression all the time, and, and living, you know, groveling. You know, you get the picture? They, they, they saw joy. They, they saw the presence of God with him. They saw God was for him. They saw this man, you know, he should have been crying, but he wasn't. There were moments, I'm sure, where he was down. And we can live in victory. We can live in victory. We can live in joy despite the problems and, and the pressures of life. We need to not live down there in the pit. We need to live looking up to our God and our King. And so he never lived in self-pity. You know, because if we do live in self-pity, it, it leads to depression. There are a lot of people that we counsel who are living in depression, and they've brought it upon themselves because they don't live in the strength of God, in the promises of God, in the Word of God, and in the encouragement of God, in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. We need to encourage our own hearts constantly. We, we cannot wait for Sunday by Sunday. We need to be self-starters. We need to be self-encouragers. He never lived in bitterness or unforgiveness towards his brothers, towards Pharaoh's, uh, um, a part of his wife who falsely accused him of rape, towards um, um, the, the butler who, who, who never uh, uh, remembered him for, for, for two years. And how do we know this? We know this because of his attitude towards his brothers when they came some 22 years later. This was the opportunity for him. This was the opportunity, you know. I mean, he was second in command of the whole of Egypt. He was the one that deciphered the dream with God's help. There were going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of disaster, drought. Find a man that would, you know, take care of the grain and in the time of drought, you'd have sufficient. And Pharaoh said, you're the man. And there he was in his garb, in his um, Egyptian clothing. He talked the Egyptian language. And here were his brothers in front of him, didn't recognize him, um, 17, and now he was going on 40, some 22 years passed. Now it was his opportunity. He could torture them for the rest of their, their lives. Come on, Joseph. What, you know, look at what they did to you. Come on. Get revenge. But he didn't. And he revealed himself to his brothers. And there they were in front of him, and they scripted themselves almost to it. They thought, this is it. We're, we're gone. We're out of here. We, we killed him, in a sense. Now, it's, now he's going to do the same to us. And he didn't. He, he just wept over them and said, I'm your brother. No, I'm not going to kill you. 
How opposite to the world's response, tit for tat. You do this, I do that. Revenge, revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And then we have to pray, oh God, be, you know, go slowly. Because he, he does a better job than we do. But listen to his attitude over here. Genesis 15, verses 19 and 20. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what has now been done, the saving of many lives. He saw the sovereignty of God, didn't he? Amen? He saw the hand of God in his life all along. That's why he could have had this amazing attitude. I mean, he could have wiped them out of the face of the earth, tortured them for the rest of their lives. But no, he loved them. He said, come, live in this country. We'll give you the best land. We'll, we'll give you everything. Bring the rest of the family. And folks, we need to respond like that in our times of trouble as well. We really do. And God will honor us for that. God will bless us for that. Not like some of the stuff that we're seeing uh, on the news. It's tragic stuff. We need to move in the opposite spirit. And we need to reveal the love of Jesus because he's the peacemaker. Then the next reason why he was able to triumph over adversity was that he cooperated with God. Thirdly, he cooperated with God's plan for his life. God had great plans for Joseph. Plans to make him the savior of the world at that stage over famine. And uh, to put him in second in con control of the whole country. But he wasn't ready yet. And so he had to go through the mill. He had to be prepared. And how do we know that he, he wasn't ready? Well, from the response that, that he, 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 he made to his brothers, you know, uh, it, the, the Bible doesn't tell us how he said it, but I could almost imagine him saying, you know, there was my sheath and your sheaths bowed down to my sheath. Uh, and the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, uh, bowed down to me. You know, it's the way we say things sometimes that conveys the arrogance of, of our hearts. Leopold says, it seems quite likely that a trace of spiritual pride tainted Joseph. I think there was more than a taint. King Hezekiah became critically ill and he was dying and he prayed and he begged God and God touched him and restored him. And Isaiah 38 verses 16 and 17 uh, has these astonishing words of Hezekiah's conclusion. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit. Surely it was for my benefit. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. You know, at times we can look back and say, surely it was for my benefit that I went through that. But at the time it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it, Right? Unless you're super spiritual and um, you, you, can, you can just rise above. But there, there are some pits that are really deep and um, you, you don't see the end, end, end of the tunnel. Surely it's for my benefit. And so Joseph suffered a lot, a lot, and he suffered a long time. And he was stronger for it and he knew that God was in it and he knew that it was for his benefit. And, and so he cooperated with God to the fullest extent. And the more we cooperate with God through those times, the more blessed we become. 
the more of a testimony we are to the world. Like I told you about this lady who had her stomach removed and she, 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 she could hardly eat. She had to just pray and, and ask God each time. She would often just bring up this food. But God, but God made her such a blessing. Such a blessing. Rick Warren says that God can take all our mistakes and all the sins that other people commit against us and turn them around and bring good out of bad. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And so we can, we can sink low in sin, but God can bring us out, out of that like, like King David. And, and sometimes it's not our fault. And God can bring good out of that. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the verse, the plans that I have for you. I know the plans. Plans to bless you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Romans 8, 28, you know that so well. That all things work together for the good to those who call according to his purpose. And most times, in those times of being down, we think uh, that verse means many things work together for the good. Or most things work together for the good. But it says, oh yeah, it says all. It says all. And we need to trust God. Max Lucano says, The torn robe became the royal one. The pit became the palace. The broken family grew old together. Very quickly and very briefly. Number four, this is how he coped. Because Joseph kept his eye on the prize. He kept his eye on the prize. Joseph didn't look back. He kept looking forwards. When we look back, we are hurt. We are destroyed. When we look forwards, we are encouraged. We're blessed. We're strengthened. And so we, we, we mustn't look back. Constantly harking backwards. The Israelites came out of Egypt, out of slavery, and uh, they complained to Moses time and again. You know, it's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard. We want to go back. Why have you taken us out? We want to go back to, to Egypt. We want to be slaves again. It's better there. And, and they were dishonoring God, weren't they? Because God had performed such a miracle to bring them out through the Red Sea. And, 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 and you know what? Because they looked back, they were destroyed. Only Joshua and his mate went through of all those who were um, adults. Because they looked back. Let's look forwards. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Philippians 3.13 says, Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, Paul says, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Did you know that not only Joseph was, was given the promise of promotion in the future, every single Christian across the globe is given the promise of promotion in glory one day, including us. Including us. Say, that, that includes me. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12, 2 Timothy 2, 12 says, If we endure, we will also reign with him one day. Woo! Glory! <laughs> I get excited uh, when, you know, when I go through the troubles of life. It's like, just hang in, hang tight. God has a plan. 
It's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out in this life, it's going to work out in the next life because we will reign with him in glory. Matthew 25, 21 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And so we have so much to look forward to one day, to promotion, to work, to rewards. And we need to look ahead, not backwards, not even at the situation in which we're in at the moment. We need to look ahead and say, God, make me faithful in what, what I'm going through right now. It's hard. It's terrible. I, I'm in this, this pit, but God knows it. And God will reward you. And God will bless you. God will use you in your work, in your family, wherever you are. Let me pray for you. Our God, our Father, how we bless you for your word. We look at uh, this man's life and we're amazed at how he came through all of these turmoil, t- uh, turmoils and ups and downs. One moment he was up and the next moment he was down. And uh, that promise took so long. We thank you, Lord, for this the story which encourages us to keep on keeping on, to keep trusting God, to not lose sight of the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the purposes of God, the provision of God in our lives. So I pray that you administer to any who are in the pit now and it doesn't look good. Please give them that hope to look ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.